back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vikulskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. And I'm joined by C.J. Box, the number one New York Times bestselling author, and he's out with his brand new Joe Pickett novel. This one is called Storm Watch. It is available everywhere. And, you know, C.J., the weather always plays such a big part in your books, the setting, the scenes. As you kind of get into telling the story, you mentioned something in the narrative here that really caught my eye. Joe Pickett felt like snow was coming, and I think people that don't live in cold weather states don't really understand that, but the weather forecasts don't matter. You can feel it, right? That's right, and first of all, thanks for having me back once again. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, especially um, in you know in the mountain west, in the mountains, um, you can see the storms rolling in and certainly feel it in your bones. I can speak from experience because right now we're in the midst of a of a twenty year blizzard <laughs> where I live. But yeah, the sky starts to darken, things start to move in, everything feels different. In our case, animals start moving around. Um, pronghorn antelope, um, elk start moving down into the valleys well ahead of time. So, yeah, you can really tell when a big one is coming. This particular book, Joe, as always, gets himself involved in something that's would necessarily be above a green warden's pay grade, a, a, a homicide, a death. Uh, but it, it all comes on the heels of he's checking out a natural occurrence. I think it was elk moving across, and uh, there was one struck by a, a car, and he's just trying to chase it down. What, can you kind of explain where, where Joe finds himself here? Sure, yeah. It begins with a storm looming, like you mentioned. And he gets a call. Um, a motorist has hit an elk, broken its leg. And Joe, um, that's one of the bad, part, bad parts of a game warden's job, is they're often called to dispatch wounded animals. And he is um, pursuing an elk into the mountains, into the snow, uh, following the tracks um, to take care of that elk. When he stumbles on a small, like, house trailer-sized high-tech facility in the middle of nowhere with no power lines attached, um, that is very odd to see. And as he gets closer to that facility, he realizes there's a, a dead body outside of it that when Joe um, inspects the body and gets the wallet, finds out um, the victim is a University of Wyoming professor. So, of course, that piques his interest. Um, and, but as he pursues it, um, everybody around him, local law enforcement, even the governor, basically asks him to let it drop. And he knows something is afoot. We see so often, you know, not only in fiction, but also in real life, this intersection of politics and law enforcement. And it usually always goes bad when politics involves itself in law enforcement and vice versa. When you strive to, you know, to, to write this character, Joe couldn't care less about politics, but he nonetheless finds himself in that situation. So how does he handle that to try to do his job but realize there's always a political bent? Yeah, and, it, and it, they do always intersect. Um, obviously, local sheriffs are elected. Um, law enforcement, you know, politicians want to steer um, sometimes you know, law enforcement. Joe just wants to do his job, and he's got a set of regulations that he's got to enforce. And because game wardens are very autonomous in Wyoming um, and in the Mountain West, they're often involved in cases that go way beyond game and fish regulations. Um, Joe Pickett always gets himself in trouble um, by pursuing these things that are maybe outside his realm, but he can't help it. That's part of him. And in this case, the more he digs, the bigger this conspiracy gets. 
there's something that came up in here that we've experienced in our area. It's this whole idea of sovereign citizens, sovereign nation. And what we see here is usually somebody is charged with a traffic offense. And they always, I thought it was ironic in the book, they always treat the sheriff's department very well. But when they're in court here, and I've seen it personally, but, you know, they have no respect or recognition of the authority of state, federal governments. When you dug into this, I, I was surprised that to, to read about it in this book. When you dug into this, what did you find about this whole idea of the sovereign citizen? Well, I got into it before in earlier books. Um, yeah, and, and you're exactly right. Sovereign citizens, they have their own creed. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to understand, but... Um, yeah, they, they consider the highest law enforcement in their area to be the local sheriff. And beyond that, they say no other agency or law enforcement, that um, especially federal authorities, have no um, authority or in the area. Um, there are people like that everywhere. Um, they tend to get a little more vocal, in, in, at least in the Mountain West, depending on who the Secretary of Interior and the President is, because there is so much public land in the West. Wyoming's 50% owned by the federal government and different agencies, meaning that um, the people in charge of the, the land are appointed from Washington rather than elected. So the conflicts are just bubble up every, every administration and every few years. A little bit more than our traffic tickets here, right? Yes. So you've, you've got this whole idea going on. This book also delves into Bitcoin, and I had to laugh as I was reading it because I, I read as much as I can about Bitcoin. I still don't have an idea what the hell it is or how it works or anything like that. And so I would think as a writer, it's got to frustrate you because nobody understands this thing. No, no one does. I do try to, in a very short passage, explain the idea behind Bitcoin in a, in, a, in a way that I hope laymen can understand, maybe for the first time. I had to spend a lot of time reading about it to get it get a handle on it. But the fact is, there are Bitcoin miners, um, and what a miner is is just a whole series of computers that um, mine Bitcoin and take a tiny, small percentage of all the transactions. And it's very energy-intensive because it involves a lot of computers running hot. And what um, some entrepreneurs have realized is that they can build small facilities on abandoned oil and gas wells and you draw from that oil and gas to power their crypto mining operations. And they, these places do exist. I've seen them out in the middle of nowhere, and I don't know how profitable they are, but they do exist. I'm chatting with C.J. Box about his brand new Joe Pickett novel. It's called Stormwatch. It is available everywhere. Joe, there was a little tip of the cap in this book to Chris Ledoux, and I completely forgot he was from Casper, Wyoming, at the time at, until I read it in the book. Uh, Chris Ledoux, a little bit. You threw, you threw in that Easter egg. Uh, is there a particular reason behind it? Mainly, uh, only that he is just um, considered a kind of a Wyoming legend. Um, he had he grew up in Casper, with Cheyenne lived on a ranch near Casey. Um, everybody in Wyoming remembers Chris Ledoux. And, um, you know, it, I'm glad you do. A lot of places they've never heard of him. Country Western singer, what a, kind of an inspiration for Garth Brooks. Um, he died, but um, there's a memorial to him in Casey, Wyoming. 
uh, fantastic singer-songwriter there. Something else you touch on, and I know you've done it in other books, is this whole idea of shedding antlers. And that kind of becomes an uh, issue in a lot of the books, as it was in this book, too. The, the elk shedding antlers, it's not something that makes its way into our neck of the woods, but what is this like when the elk shed their antlers and you have these people selling them, essentially, in, in the areas around Wyoming? It's gotten to be a bigger and bigger deal. Um, there's more elk than there ever were. Um, in April, March, April, they start they shed their antlers, and those sheds that they call the antlers who fall off are worth up to twenty dollars, twenty five dollars a pound. A single elk bull has eighty to ninety pounds worth of antlers, so that adds up. It's actually lucrative, and it's become a big deal where people come into the area. They go out, they pick up these antlers, and in the case in the book, um, which is based on something my local game warden told me, um, there are unscrupulous shed hunters who figure out ways to get sheds before the season opens, and Joe Pickett is also going after them in this book. Is it just like a hunting license to pick these up, or can any Joe Blow go and pick them up? Anybody can pick them up. There's no license, but there is a designated time for um, when you can go and gather these sheds because when you stress, you know, big game animals in uh, in the dead of winter, you can also kill them. So you want the, the weather to be mild enough that the animals aren't stressed by shed hunting. And then I guess they turn them into jewelry or art? Jewelry, art, they're also, um, in some cases, the antlers are ground into powder and, and uh sold as aphrodisiacs in Asia. There's all sorts of different uh, things that they do with antlers. Do you have any? Do I have any sheds? Yes, I do. I, those that I've gathered around um, our ranch, and, um, you know, I look for them, but I don't, I'm not passionate about it. <laughs> so, you know, you mentioned your ranch, and I always think it's funny to read in the books because it's something that's completely beyond my ability to understand is how big these ranches are in Wyoming because there can be something going on on one side of the ranch that somebody doesn't even know about and you know or at least claims they don't know about but realistically don't know about how big are some of the ranches that you come across where things happen that maybe the owner or the caretaker just slips under their nose well I mean some can be tens of thousands of acres and it's um, it, it, where, where I live in, in southern Wyoming, there's huge, you know, private land holdings. Um, our ranch is fairly small by Wyoming standards, but there are some, you know, 10, 15,000 acre ranches. Um, there's one that's 30,000 acres, uh, you know, that we are adjoined by. And yeah, it's, it's very possible to have things going on on one part of the ranch that the people at headquarters have nothing, have know nothing about. <laughs> There's a seed in the book, and not giving anything away, but there's a taser involved. Somebody gets tased, and the way that you've described it in the narrative is such that I could almost feel it, although I've never been tased myself. And I know a lot of people in law enforcement go through being tased before they're allowed to use one. When you got that description, was that a personal description, or have you been tased to try to catch that feeling? I have not, but I have spoken to police officers, like you say, who have to do it as part of their training, and I've seen, you know, like, I, I do try to do a lot of research on the books. There's there's a lot of YouTube videos of people being tased during um, training exercises and also, you know, in criminal activities, and um, I study those before I write about them so I can get it accurate. The things that Joe Pickett goes through, sometimes in the book, I get the sense as I'm reading of it, he is just ready to throw up his hands. And so what keeps him 
going as a game warden because he could do almost anything. But I mean, the, the politics he has to deal with sometimes. I think okay, this would make any normal person just say to hell with all of it. <laughs> yes, I think that's true. Um, I think he, he's just very dedicated to his job, to his family, to his community. Um, he feels a, he feels a calling to do that. He's not ambitious in terms that he wants to be the sheriff or the governor someday. He likes what he does, but he also feels kind of guilty about it because he enjoys it so much, and it's not very lucrative for his family. Um, so this is always a dilemma he has had since the very first book, and that um, sometimes he just says, God, I love this job. I love being out here. I love being in the mountains. But at the same time, he knows he could probably make more money and have a lot less stress by doing something else. So as 2023 rolls along, what can we expect from C.J. Box, literature-wise? Well, um, we're, you know, I'm two TV shows, Big Sky and ABC, based on um, the Cassie Duel books, and Joe Pickett, um, which is on Paramount Plus, is going to start at second season. That's, that's exciting for us. And then I'm working on the next Joe Pickett book right now um, for next year. Oh, I can't wait. They're always just so fantastic. This book is called Stormwatch. It's the latest Joe Pickett novel. It's available everywhere from CJ Box. CJ, as always, a great conversation, and thanks for another great book. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. Oh, the weatherman said